Please pray with me. Oh Lord, help us to trust you more. We pray this morning that you would open our ears that we might hear your truth. May your word in scripture fall fresh on our ears. May it shape the choices we make, the way we love, the priorities we set. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Our psalm for today, Psalm 46, is probably familiar to most of you. This well-known psalm has been a source of comfort and hope for many people down through the centuries. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. A wonderful truth and promise from God's word. But do we believe it? Because on a very practical day-to-day basis, an awful lot of us tend to look to our circumstances for our sense of peace and security. As you think back on your own life this morning, what are the things in your life that make you afraid? What are the things that cause you worry? Most of you know that I'm a fan of Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and the Peanuts gang. Peanuts is often as much of a profound commentary on life as it is a cartoon strip. It's sort of masquerading as a cartoon strip. Um, It features a group of child philosophers and theologians trying to find meaning and make sense of life from a child's point of view. In one Peanuts cartoon strip, Linus goes to see Lucy, the psychiatrist. He says, my life is full of fear and anxiety. The only thing that keeps me going is this blanket. I need help. So Lucy suggests a number of possible phobias in order to help Linus pinpoint the cause of his fears. I won't read it directly, but she asks if he's afraid of responsibility, which would be uh, hypengeophobia. Is he afraid of cats? That would be ilurophobia. Afraid of staircases? Climacophobia. Afraid of the ocean? Thalassophobia. Afraid of crossing bridges? Gephyrophobia. To all of these, Linus basically says, well, not exactly, I don't know, sort of, maybe, kind of, until Lucy mentions pantophobia. And Linus asks, well, what's pantophobia? And Lucy says, it's the fear of everything. And Linus shouts out so loudly that he startles Lucy, that's it, pantophobia, afraid of everything. Well, most of us here probably aren't afraid of everything, but almost all of us have some things that we tend to be afraid of. Now, obviously, a a certain measure of healthy fear is a good thing in some circumstances. For example, a, a healthy fear of electrocution keeps us from sticking our fingers into light sockets or swimming outside during an electrical storm. A healthy fear of being bitten keeps us from playing with poisonous snakes. A healthy fear of fast-moving cars and trucks keeps us from walking out into the street without looking both ways first. But most of us struggle with things that go well beyond uh, these kinds of healthy fears. We worry 
stress and become anxious about things that are beyond our control, things that are wrong in our world and in our lives? What are the things that make you afraid? The reality is there are many things in our world and in our lives that, uh, that are just wrong. The news headlines yesterday were all about violence, death, and destruction. Three, charged in NATO terror conspiracy. Two, arrested and killing of USC graduate students. Woman charged with friends stabbing murder. Mexican drug cartel battles uh, leave 20 dead in continuing violence. And there's potential for natural disasters too. Uh, an earthquake registering 6.0 on the Richter scale uh, just hit Italy. And I saw a headline where, where NASA is concerned about 4,700 potentially dangerous asteroids that are, that are lurking near the earth. Uh, any number of possibilities. Sickness and disease are everywhere. They're, they're commonplace in our world. Cancer, heart disease, stroke, severe arthritis, and a host of other infirmities wreak havoc on, on people all over the place. Uh, I read of two women in the last couple of weeks whose lives have been threatened by some type of flesh-eating bacteria, and at least one of those women had to have her feet and her fingers amputated. Many of you here this morning have experienced firsthand uh, painful sicknesses or disease. Uh, you know firsthand the stress, the worry, the anxiety that such things can cause. Right now, there are a, an awful lot of people who have grave concerns about the, the local, national, and global economy and how it might affect their own financial security. They're worried about enormous deficits, massive debt, out-of-control spending, the potential for runaway inflation, and governments that don't seem to be willing to address the problem. Uh, with the U.S. economy barely limping along and the European Union in dire straits, maybe even on the verge of dissolving, there are a lot of people who believe that the, the global economy may well be on the brink of collapse. These are things that cause people worry and stress and anxiety. Violence, war, natural disasters, sickness, disease. Uh, these are all things that are truly wrong in our world and in our lives. And as such, they often cause us to fear. In the third century, a man named Cyprian wrote the following words. He said, this is a cheerful world as I see it from my garden under the shadows of my vines. But if I were to ascend some high mountain and look out over the wide lands, you know very well what I should see. Brigands on the highways, pirates on the sea, armies fighting, cities burning, in the amphitheaters, men murdered to, a please, uh, to please applauding crowds. Selfishness and cruelty and misery and despair under all roofs. It is a bad, bad world, Donatus. An incredibly bad world. Well, not much has changed really, has it, since Cyprian penned those words to his friend. Life is full of uncertainties. Turmoil is never far from our existence on this earth. All around us, things are constantly changing. And we are all too often completely and utterly powerless to do anything about it. 
And so because of our lack of ability to control our world, the people around us, and even our own lives, we feel threatened. And when we feel threatened, we respond in fear. We begin to imagine the worst and play out all kinds of what-if scenarios in our minds. What if something happens to my kids, my spouse, my parents? What if this spot on my skin is cancer? What if I can't pay my bills next month? What if I lose my job? I have to confess that I've wrestled with some of this kind of thinking just in the last few months as, as uh, we have been exploring future ministry possibilities. What if we don't find a church that's a good fit? What if, we end up, uh, what if where we end up going doesn't work out? What if the church that's voting on us comes back to us with a bad vote? What then? And so we fear. And all too often, like Linus and his blanket, we, we seek security in other things. Things that end up being idols for us. Some seek security in material things. They accumulate. The more the better. The more secure we feel. Some seek security in spouses or children or other family members or friends even. Some seek security in their jobs. Some seek security in their physical bodies, making their workout routines and physical health their absolute top priority. Well, all of those things in and of themselves are good, but we will be sadly disappointed if we, if we hope to find our security in them. Because at the end of the day, these things all turn up empty. Material things break, rust, fade, or wear out. Other people, whether spouses, children, or friends, or parents, other people inevitably disappoint us and let us down. Jobs come and go, and our physical bodies slow down and eventually wear out. Nothing in this world is adequate to give us the level of security that we all seek. The psalmist understood that true security and peace are only to be found in God. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46 is one of the Psalms of Zion. It's divided into three stanzas with a refrain after the second and third stanzas. Verses 1 to 3, verses 4 to 6, and verses 8 to 10 are the three stanzas. And verse 7 and verse 11 are the refrains. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want to just look briefly at these three stanzas in turn. All of these stanzas show us very clearly that God's presence and his power bring peace into the life of those who trust him. God's presence and his power bring peace into the life of those who trust him. And with that as the framework, I want to look at, at three affirmations from this text this morning. The first stanza affirms that, that God protects. God protects. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. A refuge, as you know, is a place of safety and rest. It's a hiding place, a place to escape the chaos around us. God provides that safety for his people. That place of peace 
in the midst of the storms of life. He is our strength. He is strong. No matter how weak we may be, he is the one who protects his people and fights on their behalf. He is an ever-present help in trouble, which leads the psalmist to declare, therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. What an amazing statement of faith and trust that is. I mean, think about it. Even when the most solid, fixed, immovable things we know of in this life, represented by the earth and the mountains, even when those solid and immovable things give way to complete chaos and disorder uh, and instability, represented by the, the roaring and the raging of the sea, even then, we will not fear. See, the psalmist is expressing complete confidence that God is in control. God is the one who in the very beginning, in Genesis 1, created order out of chaos. And so he is not threatened at all when his created order seems to give way to chaos. One commentary said that verse 3 in the Hebrew has almost a defiant tone to it. uh, So that it would read something like this. Let the waters roar and foam. Let the mountains quake with their uh, surging. It's almost as if the psalmist is saying, bring it on, do your worst, because I know that God is in control. He is my refuge and my strength. An amazing statement of faith and trust in the Lord. God alone is the ultimate place of safety and security. As long as God is present, I will not fear. Now, this does require an eternal perspective Because clearly all is not right with the world. As you and I well know, Christians are subjected to the fallen created order just like everyone else. Christians are not immune from the violence of war, persecution or poverty or injustice. Sickness, disease, tragedy and death are no respecter of persons and bad things do happen to good people. That's the reality of the world that we live in. But as followers of Christ, we can face these realities without fear because we know and understand that God is on the throne and he will have the last word. Our souls are safe in him. Which leads into the second stanza there in verse four. And this stanza affirms that God provides. God provides. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Now the language here is the figurative language of grace, the figurative language of peace and God's provision, the smooth flowing river with life-giving streams that bring joy to God's people. Quite a contrast to the raging, roaring waters of, of, of chaos as seen in the first stanza. Now, there was no river in Jerusalem. But Ezekiel had a vision of a river. Ezekiel saw this river of God's grace flowing from under the threshold of the temple and expanding quickly into waters deep enough to swim in. These waters made the desert a wonderfully fruitful place. Ezekiel 47, 12 
says fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, excuse me, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And in Revelation 22, the apostle John has an almost identical vision. These pictures remind us that God's presence and his power are are the source of healing, restoration, and abundant life. Even under siege and threat from external powers, the city of God is like the Garden of Eden because God is within her, renewing, restoring, blessing, and providing for her. Verse 5 says that God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. God is with her through the long dark night and God will help her at the break of day. And God is able to provide abundantly for us here today, regardless of our circumstances. We can experience his peace, his joy, his calm, even in the midst of uncertainties, dangers, and difficulties, even threats to our very existence. Why? Because God is with us. He is there with us when life is good and all is well. And he is there with us when the bottom falls out, when life falls apart. At the end of World War II, Allied forces swept across Germany, searching farms and uh, houses, looking for snipers. And at one abandoned house, uh, which was almost just a heap of rubble, searchers found uh, in the basement with flashlights, um, they found a crumbling wall on which a victim of the Holocaust had scratched a star of David. And then underneath that, in rough lettering, wrote the following words, I believe in the sun, even when it doesn't shine. I believe in love, even when it is not shown. I believe in God, even when he does not speak. God is there with us, even when we cannot sense his presence at all. He will see us through, and then he will be there with us afterward, helping us to pick up the pieces. He is there with us, providing for us, no matter what we may be facing or going through. Which leads into the third stanza. God prevails. God prevails. Verses 8 and 9 give us a picture of God's power over all the earth and a glimpse of God's ultimate plan for the future. Ultimately, God will bring peace. It says he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. In verse 10, God himself has the last word when he speaks forcefully and directly to the nations. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is basically saying to the nations, enough, be still, cease and desist, give up making war on my people because I am their protector and their provider. I am their refuge and strength and my purposes will prevail. Life may be uncertain and shaky now, but at the end of the day, we can proclaim confidently that God is on the throne. 
We see this confidence in the prophet Habakkuk when Judah was about to be invaded by the Babylonians. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And as the apostle Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He goes on to say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God will have the last word in human history. Chaos will be no more, and all who trust in him will live in true peace and safety. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. As these stanzas make clear, God is with us and for us. God's presence and his power bring peace to those who trust in him. And so we have a choice. We can choose to go with the advice of that great philosopher, Charlie Brown, who said, I have a new philosophy. I'm only going to dread one day at a time. Or we can take to heart and echo the testimony and faith of Cyprian. Remember Cyprian? Listen to his words. You heard a part of what he had to say earlier. He said, it is a bad, bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are the Christians, and I am one of them. Cyprian was martyred for his faith in the third century. He, like the psalmist, found his peace and security in the Lord. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know what causes you to fear. I don't know what causes you worry or anxiety. Maybe you're out of work, or maybe you're concerned about your job security. Maybe you're worried about the economy and how you're going to make it financially. Maybe you or someone you love is dealing with a serious illness. Maybe you're experiencing family problems or relationship difficulties. I don't know what it is that robs you of peace, but I know that the words of this psalm are true, and they are for you. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Please pray with me this morning. Almighty God, thank you that you are indeed the refuge and strength of those who trust in you. Enable us, I pray, through the power of your spirit at work in us to hear and heed your word to the nations 
because it is your word for us too. Help us to be still and know that you are God. And help us to respond to our circumstances, troubles, and difficulties, not with fear, but with faith. And we'll give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.